my crazy flock. It is Gaio Loco Ian Novak from Crazy Poultry Inc. to give you a few reviews that I've seen lately. These are some films that I've seen over the past week, or week and a half or so that I've not covered yet. And just to give you a heads up, there's also the previous episode before this where we had the first ever foul play debate where I was the host and moderator with, along with three of my buddies. So please feel free to check that out. And a warning is in the description that it does have some explicit language. But now to get that out of the way, I would like to talk about a few f films that I have seen that I want to get out there my thoughts and feelings of. And the first of that is Jojo Rabbit, the Taika Waititi Hitler parody movie. Uh, I was really looking forward to this film, and I was just hoping that it was going to come to the theater near me. And when I saw initially that it wasn't going to get released until Worldwide the week after, I was like very hopeful that it would get here around that time, and it did. And this film was very funny, very good performances overall. Taika Waititi, who plays Hitler, is exactly what a small child would have him be as his imaginary friend, because that's who he is. This is based around a very small child who's a fanatic of Hitler in Germany towards the end of the war. Uh, Sam Rockwell is in this as a general. Scarlett Johansson plays the young kid's mother, who I think gives a really good performance. Uh, and the whole uh, talk about this film was, it's a Hitler parody movie. How are people going to feel about this? And it's understandably so that this would get you know, mixed feelings from people. Um, I found this to be a very enjoyable film touching at times, and it got very serious sometimes with its content. And uh, without giving too much and going into it, that is one of the small kind of nitpicks for me as far as the film overall, because it's shifting tones from trying to go very comically over the top sometimes to very grounded and serious. And some of those serious moments are definitely gut-wrenching parts. One, especially towards the end that I will not give away what it is, definitely came out of left field. Um, and then there's a choice that's made at the end that I was just hoping was not going to be the actual outcome. And when it wasn't, I was actually happy about that. Uh, so the tone is really the only big issue for me. Um, other than that, I found this to be a very enjoyable film. If it does make on my best of the year list, it probably is not going to be as high as some people, just because of that jarring tone, just for me. But other than that, I'm going to give Jojo Rabbit an A-. Oh, was that a completely different feeling and expectations on to the next one? And up next is a film that I was highly anticipating this year, but also very cautious because it was a sequel to a film that I really love and I consider it a flawed masterpiece, and that's Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, 
that just celebrated how many years ago it came out. 1980, that's when it last came out. And this is, stars Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, and a couple other actors. And Ewan McGregor plays the older version of the kid, Danny, from the original. Uh, dealing with, you know, after this traumatic experience in the Overlook Hotel. And how has that clearly messed up with his life. And also dealing with his shining ability. And I was initially very... Uh, you know, very very skeptical when this was announced to be happening and when I s started to see the trailer. Um, however, a bit more into the trailer got me actually thinking, you know what, maybe this could work. And then I saw who was directing it, and it was Mike Flanagan, who is c definitely one of my favorite people working in horror today from the series that I still have not watched all the way through, The House on the Hill. But he then also did Oculus, which I thought was really good, and it's still getting more recognition. But then he also did Gerald's Game for Netflix, which is another Stephen King adaptation. So apparently this man knows his way around Stephen King adaptations. And I will have no problem admitting that uh, people that have definitely seen this film and given their opinions, the first act of this could feel a little monotonous and kind of slow sometimes but to me it was introducing the characters and seeing where they've been and what's this person what's this group and I thought that was very well done and very well acted Hugh McGregor I think is amazing in this film and then also Rebecca Ferguson I think is also amazing in this film and the child actor in this, just like for Danny in the original, I think is a standout in this film too, who also has the shining ability. And then it all kind of, everything that you've seen in the trailer, as far as like references to the shining, are happily more towards the end, without giving too much away that most films do about the end. And I like that. And surprisingly, for being technically longer than The Shining, I felt the that this moved at a better pace, in my opinion. Like, I didn't feel the length as much as I do for The Shining. Now, this, however, ain't perfect. Because there's at least one part that felt, if it is in the book then I can't really try to talk away from it, but uh, you also have to take liberty sometimes, and maybe those just don't go well with the film as a general in the flow and in the tone, but it just involved a gun scene that kind of felt like it was part of a different f movie. But that's really my only criticism with this, is that one part felt really weird as far as connecting with the rest of the film. The characters and acting and the story and the directing I thought were fantastic. This of course is not going to surpass The Shining in my opinion. 
Because, you know, Stanley Kubrick's a master with his directing and his style. However, Mike Flanagan, I think, took that and still did it his own way. And that makes you feel like that this is still a Mike Flanagan film. Um, this is probably easily going to be still my best of the year because I just don't feel like I've seen that many that might be contending as far as up against Dr. Sleep. So with all that said, I'm going to be giving Dr. Sleep an A. Yeah, that was a load off my mind to find out that a sequel years and decades later was very good. But, uh... <laughs> was not the only messed up thing that I've seen lately. This was a other level of insanity. Up next is a film that I actually have seen twice now, because I actually originally saw it in California when I went out to go see some family, but when I got back I said I have to see this again. And so my buddy Damon the Gobbler went with me to go see this, and it's The Lighthouse. Starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And that's really it. It's just these two guys. Because at its base form, what this is about is about two guys that run a lighthouse for four weeks. And it's shot in a smaller aspect ratio, which is probably a bit jarring at first to people. Because they're like, why is it smaller than the screen? Well, what that does though is it gives it a more claustrophobic and enclosed sense makes you feel the enclosure that the characters have because they only have each other these two guys are running this lighthouse Willem Dafoe is easily the more like experienced guy like he's also stated that he used to be working on a ship and he was a captain um, and then there's a little bit of a mystery with uh, Robert Pattinson's character but this is just what, with the visuals and the score and the directing, this is also directed by the same guy that did The Witch, which I actually really liked. And if he keeps this up, he's another one of my top contenders for horror directors that I'm going to be watching a lot. Just like Mike Flanagan and Ari Aster are. Definitely two of my tops also. Now this is easily a film that I just would like to just talk about with another person or a few people about what all this could mean. But that would involve definitely getting into some spoilers. <laughs> so I am just going to leave it at this is about two guys that have to help run a lighthouse and they go insane, and it, everything goes crazy. It's shot in black and white, so it feels like one of those older horror movies like Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and I thought that was the perfect approach to go with, because it really helps set the mood and the feelings of this stuff and this time period. Uh, again, like with The Witch, I would say that a small thing is the fact that... Uh, Willem Dafoe, who is an old sailor, has this nautical way of speaking and the gruffness of his voice and stuff. So there are several times where I was like, I don't know exactly what you're saying, because I don't know what some of these words mean. 
There's especially one part where he's just yelling at Robert Pattinson's character, who I also think gives an amazing performance in this. Um, but he does this long monologue at him, and I'm not exactly sure what he is saying to him, but he is so committed, and his acting is so over the top, and but still so subdued at the same time, that I buy it, and I believe it, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm captivated. And that can kind of be this film in a nutshell. Uh, other than seeing a few things that I did not expect to see, and not only that, I saw them a few many times, if I kind of let that go, I don't have a lot of faults with this. I thought also the score and the sound were amazing. Um, I This is easily probably going to be my top three of the year. And, yeah, I have not come up with really much of a negative, so this could help it be top spot. Uh, I'm going to be giving The Lighthouse an A+. Yeah, I did not see that coming, uh, and I urge more people to go and see this because stuff like more stuff like this needs to get made, not just the mainstream stuff, and a risk needs to be taken. But now let's move on to the next one because it might be a little bit more mainstream, but it is also getting some good mouth and acclaim too. And up next is, you know, this is the way that people pronounce it, Ford v. Ferrari, but I'm sorry, I'm still going to call it Ford versus Ferrari. Um, this is the story based on when Ford Motors beat Ferrari in the 24-hour Le Mans, and about uh, Ken Miles and... Carol Shelby that helped design the, the car, and yeah, <laughs> it's kind. Of, and then with a bunch of you know corporate stuff and sleaziness going on, that's. But this film is more about Carol she Shelby, played by Matt Damon, and Ken Miles's Christian Bale uh, relationship and friendship, and. Thankfully, that's what they mostly focus on in here, uh, because Christian Bale and Matt Damon have great chemistry together, great timing, and once again, Bale just proves that he's one of the best working and still going today, because he just turns into whatever role he's in. Um, and uh, this is also directed by James Mangold, that also did Walk the Line, and Logan, which is my favorite film, two, two or so years ago. And the shot, the way it was shot, and the framework, and the directing were really good. I, however, did not expect this to be a two-and-a-half-hour movie, because it focuses on, you know, the early days of Ken and Shelby, you know, reconnecting and stuff, uh, and then the 
Ferraris basically challenging or somewhat just insulting Ford. Um, and then the first race, and then there's a few other racing sequences. Um, and of course the big thing for me is the fact that I'm not a car guy, I'm not a gearhead, so it's kind of hard for me to ever to get into like racing or so films, uh, but luckily this has Matt Damon and Christian Bale like basically elevating the story and about these real life characters, um, and that was what kept it very exciting and, you know, entertaining. Because there's also a good amount of laughs in it. Um, the biggest issue that I personally had that I'm sure that nobody else is going to mention, really, and that's the, like, corporate sleaze balls that interfere, basically, with the story, because I get it. It's probably what happened, even though I can't say because I don't know the story. I don't know the people. But it's fair to say that it probably did happen like this. But it's just something that, you know, seen a million times and a million other types of sports movies and just other types of films in general. So when it just happens, I'm just like, okay, I guess it has to be there. But luckily, again, like I said, this is just elevated by great performances and great directing. So it may not be as high up on my list because I also question how much could I rewatch it. But it is a definite better car movie than most car movies that we get. And I'm going to give Ford versus Ferrari an A-. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed those few reviews from me from the next special of One Bird Flying Solo reviews from here. Uh, once again, please keep on listening and share this. Uh, please spread the word. Uh, this is from Guy Loco here at Crazy Poultry Inc. Keep going with the movies and, and enjoy the debate that's also on here and yep that's all I got for now guys see you later